99.7 FM and online at oldhamcommunityradio.com featuring all that's best from the king of instruments this is Community Keyboards with Ian Wollstenholm again welcome to this edition of community keyboards on air and online with me ian wollstone now if you've been listening to our lockdown listen mini episodes during the coronavirus crisis you'll have heard many organists with whom i've conversed during the four decades of this program well i'll be adding another name to the gallery of keyboard stars on this edition and his journey through the music business is fascinating to say the least Here's a musical clue to open the show. Sharp and the Kawaii T30 from 1978 and the Mexican Shuffle. So let's welcome my guest who was influenced by such performers as George Blackmore, Keith Beckingham, Harold Smart and Brian Sharp, amongst many others. Whilst we get the internet connection up and running, here he is at the Yamaha Tyros 5 and that delightful melody, Harry.
Harry by Catherine Howe, and that's played by my guest who joins me on the programme, um, uh, Andrew Gilbert. Uh, uh, Harry played there on Tyros 5. And as I say, Andrew Gilbert's joining me via Skype. Andrew, lovely to uh, to, to see you. We can, we can see each other, but that's not very good for radio, but hopefully people can hear us loud and clear. Finally, got to say hello to you because it's been a long overdue uh, conversation. How's things with you down there? Not so bad. I'm delighted to have a chance to have a chat with you. So, uh, oh, it's all right down here. Enjoying lockdown. Uh, not <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you were saying yeah. just before we, we started that this was really going to be one of those um, big years for you where you were going to not necessarily relaunch your career, but certainly uh, n- notch it up a gear. And then, lo and behold, this pandemic thing started. What What's that been like for you uh, as a, well, I guess a disappointment in the, uh, at the very least? Well, I say I, um, the pandemic has sort of stopped me sort of from doing any teaching, and I, I'm sure it's going to be a while before... I and probably all of my uh, teaching colleagues get a chance to do one-to-one lessons again. I'm now setting up slowly for Skype and Zoom lessons. <laughs> Skype, no problem. Zoom, haven't a clue. <laughs> I, I need my tech son guru to uh, to set that up. Uh, we had a long chat the other day, and he sort of just blinded me with techno babble. <laughs> and so, so, yeah, he will guide me, I'm sure, to, to getting Zoom set up for teaching. But uh, now this year was going to be a, a bit of a comeback for concerts because uh, – I did um, a little sort of guest appearance at one of uh, Tony Stacey's and Andrew Nix's uh, uh, organ weekends, and mm. that went down really nicely. Mm. And I've been booked to play at Fenton Hall for the Cinema Organ Society. Yes. And, of course, that one is all cancelled. And my regular concert on the Isle of Wight on the fantastic X66 Hammond they've got over there, that one's gone by the board. <laughs> so um, it slowly crossed them off as you go through the year. But um, I, think, uh, I think somebody said the most useless item uh, that anybody could have bought this year was a was a 2020 diary, and I think that's probably quite correct, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mine but, is sitting on the table in the kitchen, unused. Oh, it's, it, I think you're right in it. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, we're, we're managing. I say we, I'm sort of writing some musical arrangements for those concerts when uh, when they uh, when they restart, and I'll pop a few of them on YouTube and. Um, and put some MP3s on my website just to give people a taster. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that that brings me nicely, uh, Andy, on onto your website because I, I've got to say it's probably one of the most comprehensive and uh, and thorough and meticulous sites of any musician that I've seen for an awful long time. To the to the point that really, if you hadn't said what you just said. I imagine any any viewer of that site would have immediately thought that you were extremely busy because it looks as though you were on at least on on the website quite occupied almost as um as, as it was when you first started in the uh, the industry when you were what 13 years old as a small boy wanting to to play the organ. Uh, yeah, that's 50 years ago. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I, I remember it well going into the um I'd say I I I'd heard uh, an organ being played in the club uh, that we used to go to occasionally, occasional weekends. And the organist was a wonderful guy called Cliff Mully. And um, Dad asked him, do you mind if he sits right behind you? And Cliff said, no, no, let him watch. And I watched him you know, over his shoulder like playing this, this Hammond organ. Yeah. And I thought, I want some of that. I, I'm going to do that. And so I went into the music shop one day and they sat me down at a Hammond Cadet, the, the smallest of the smallest, you know, <laughs> the, the tiny little organ. And I found that I could play it. I've never, ever played one before. Incredible. And uh, Bobby Pagan uh, was the music teacher at the school, uh, at the shop. And he said, well, let's get you onto this, this one here. And he put me down at the, exactly the same organ that I'd been watching Cliff Molly playing. But I knew what buttons were what because he told me all about it. So ah, down right. And, yeah, yeah. So Bobby said, how long have you been playing the organ? And I said, what, about 10 minutes? <laughs> and he said, no, no, how long have you been playing the organ? And I said, no, 10 minutes. And I think that sort of sort of sparked something in me. I thought, I could do this. So that was really the start of things. And within three or four months, I'd actually sort of landed the job as resident organist at a hotel. <laughs> I think that was just a, um, somebody said it was meteoric rise. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. But it sounds I about right, yeah.
know that this programme is available for sponsorship support from as little as £10. For more information about how we can help your business, club or society, email communitykeyboards at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. Uh, got a job at the music school in, in Sussex and um, as part of that job she got the perk of free music lessons um, she said well I'll learn to play the piano mm. so we got an old banger of an upright and she would sit down and do her practice and then I'd annoy the heck out of her because I would sit down and I'd just play what she just played by ear right and so they said hmm, maybe he, you should share her lessons she was okay with that so we shared the lessons and it was then that we realised that probably I was going to be better than her, so they gave me her lessons. <laughs> and I started learning piano. I went all the way, all through the grades, and um, then started the discovered the organ, much to the annoyance of my music teacher, <laughs> who hated organs as a vengeance. But no, pipe organs, classical organs. Mm-hmm. But when I mentioned Hammond organ, she almost exploded. <laughs> um, <laughs> not amused at all. Oh, but, uh, she was a lovely lady. And I learned so much from her. She was a very strict, but, you know, a real old school music teacher. But um, she wonders for, you know, for me. So, I, I, yeah, I could play the piano. But to say, playing the organ, no, that was the first time I'd ever sat down at one. And um, I was as gobsmacked as anybody else just found, hey, I can actually do this. <laughs> so, I mean, I almost asked the question, how difficult was it for a young man to break into the uh, the organ scene? Because I would have imagined at that time it would have been quite competitive, but literally you just played a few notes, and as you say, your early rise to fame was quite meteoric. <laughs> well, I think it's, um, I think it's basically, I, I've been, I was lucky like three mm. times in a row. I mean, yeah. oh, about a year earlier, I, I'd gone to hear Brian Sharp for the first time. I'd nagged my mum and dad. I want to go and see Brian Sharp. I've heard him on the organist entertains. I want to go and see it. It was a school night, so I had to finish my homework and then have tea, and then off we went to see Brian. And after the show, my dad got talking to Arthur and Peter Butler, the distributors for um, Goldbranson. And they said, oh, he's got a Goldbranson at home, and uh, he plays the Goldbranson at the hotel. So they sat me down at this new uh, Goldbranson theatrum model, and Peter Butler said to me, as he would say many, many times later on, play us a tune, Andrew. (laughs) <laughs> so I did, and I played Aquarius from Hair. Now that got Brian out from the bar. <laughs> Beer in one hand, yes. scotch in the other. <laughs> Who's playing my tune? Because I don't know how, but I come up with an arrangement which was something like his. Um, and I'd never heard him play it. You know, I, I just played it the way I'd always played it. And we had a good old natter, and he, he was very complimentary about what, I, you know, what I'd done. And he showed me a few tricks. He said, I do this and I do that. And I learned a lot in about five, ten minutes. And while I was chatting to him, Dad was talking to Peter Butler. And Peter Butler made a note of my name, address and things, and listened to what Brian was saying about me. And they kept me on record. I saw Peter again a couple of years later. And he said, yep, he's still thinking about you. The hotel residency led to a job in Lion and Hall's music shop in, in Brighton. I got the Saturday job, you know, the Saturday boy and, and weekends <laughs> uh, and school holidays. Which was great because my, my mates were sort of going out, you know, five o'clock in the morning doing a paper round in the pouring rain, getting like three quid a week. <laughs> and I was playing the organ in the hotel and working in the music shop, earning 20 quid a week. That was good fun. But um, one day I went in, it was my day off, and I went in in the summer, and the organ department manager said, I'm leaving. You can have this job, and you can have my residency at the hotel five nights a week. <laughs> That's interesting. And at the same time, the BBC had asked me to start um, a new series along with um, Bobby Pagan, John Mann and mm. Douglas Reed called Out the Console. Mm. And I thought, hang on, this, this is three jobs. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll go for this. And so, so I did. I, I, I left school and I started at the Orphan Shop. I started at a new residency, started doing the radio stuff. And my dad was sort of shaking his head. He said, look, I've been in the Merchant Navy for like umpteen years. I'm the captain of a ship. You're 16 and you're earning more than me. Um, So that was good. And that was the second bit of luck. And the third bit of luck, if you can call it that, I broke up with my girlfriend. Uh, (laughs) Oh, dear. uh, (laughs) Hope she's not listening. (laughs) um, (laughs) But um, we planned to go away for a week. And it happened to be the week of the trade fair up in, up in mm-hmm. London. 
So I thought, well, I'm doing nothing. I, I, I phoned Peter Butler and said, um, is it okay if I come up and have a look around the organs? He said, well, more than that, you can come up and work for me for a week. Wow. Because we've got this new range of kawaii organs. Mm. I've got no one to play them. Come up and play them. So I worked there for a week, and that then led to doing more shows. He said, if you pass your driving test, I'll give you a job full time. <laughs> so I did. Passed my driving test. Two days after that, phoned me up. Could you go up to London for me? Well, hang on, I've been driving for two days. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> two weeks later, it was, could you go up to Bradford for me? Yeah. Bradford, where's Bradford? <laughs> you know, it's the whole length of the M1. I've been driving for two weeks, you know, and so I had to go around Hyde Park Corner and all of that around London and then up all the way up the Overcrocky. But uh, it worked, and that was a great week I spent at the Novotel Hotel mm. for the organ line. Yeah, and I met loads and loads of people who would be, then become my friends and colleagues uh, from other companies. And on the basis of that, they gave me the job full time. So the three bits of luck just got me into the organ business. And that that was then, obviously, yeah, as you say, obviously, then those three pieces of good fortune really then led to, I guess, what certainly, um, you know, whenever I hear the name of Andrew Gilbert, I always immediately think of of Kauai and your your long association with with the company. I mean, you've mentioned obviously working with, with, with Brian Sharp. We all know dear old Brian was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I mean, I've had many, many conversations on the programme with him. Fortunately, all were broadcastable. But what was it really like working with, <laughs> working with Sharpie? Oh, crikey. I mean, um, we, we hit it off from day one. One of the very first things that I did for, for Kawhi was about, Three weeks after joining them full-time in the beginning of 78, I went across to Eastbourne, and um, it was Bonner's Music used to put on a big show at the Congress Theatre. Back in the days, the showcase organ concerts, if you yep. remember, remember those. The big ones. <laughs> and 
the, the, the big ones, and they had about three or four organists and three or four makes of organ. And Brian was doing the bit for Kawhi, and Arthur and Peter Butler said, well, look, give Andrew a sort of like 15-minute spot, and then he'll bring on Brian. And so I played a couple of the smaller ones and introduced Brian. He played the big one. And that was to be the sort of how things would go when we did shows together. Mm. I would do the first half, introduce Brian for the second half, so I would do the demo part, if you like, and then he'd come on. And he was quite pleased because he didn't have to do any demo thing, which he hated, I think. <laughs> yes. He wanted, he wanted to play it. Yeah. You know, yeah. he would play and we, we would do that. And, you know, we, we had a whale of a time. I remember chauffeuring him round on the uh, occasions when he somehow didn't have a driving license for some reason or other. <laughs> um, I, w- I wonder why. <laughs> uh, oh, terrible, terrible passenger. He, oh, he was yes. really sort of, oh, white knuckle. But we, we would do shows and we would often do duets. You know, we'd go, well, play, play something together at the end of the evening. Let's get you both on stage and get. And that was fun, you know, providing we'd rehearsed it. But dear old Brian, he would sometimes grab a piece of music and said, I'll tell you what, Andrew, we'll, we'll do this one tonight. This is a new one. What's he going to give me now? And it would be handwritten scrawl. Boom, there's your bit. Oh, right, I'm supposed to sight read that. Gosh. So it, it was good fun. And, well, and we did it, and he, he would occasionally throw that for me, and he very kindly said, well, a lot of respect there, you know, because I didn't right. expect you to do it like that. But one day he did turn things around. We used to do root beer rag. Yes. And he would play the piano part, always, which I never, never really played. You can guess what's coming, can't you? Uh, I'm, I'm ahead uh, of you. I think I'm one ahead e- of you. One evening after uh, maybe no, maybe one or two too many, he was sitting down at the organ and he said, we'll do root beer. And he gave me the piano part. Oh, I don't play this. <laughs> You'll be all right. Uh, we, we managed it. I don't know how, but uh, it, it worked. But um, no, we, we, we had some great, great fun. Um, there's somewhere on YouTube there. There is a clip of uh, when we when we went to Japan, uh, 1979. I mean, I was really pleased that Kawhi asked me to do the world premiere on mm. the T30, yeah, uh, which, which was quite something because Brian had done the two previous tours on the T50, but for the T30, they asked me to do the, the premiere and do the first half of a two-week tour, and then Brian would take over for the second half. It really went very well. So they extended my tour by a couple of days and said, could you show Brian round the T30? So I were in studio for a day, so showed him what I'd managed to find. And they said, well, why don't we double-header concert? So you can do half first half and Brian does the second half. Well, that pleased Brian because he only had to do half the work. <laughs> um, but we did do some duets, and there was a Japanese guy who actually recorded them. And there's a YouTube clip of us playing Caravan. Yes. Now, neither of I can't remember it, and um, I, I haven't spoken to Brian for ages, so I don't suppose he'd remember it either. I think by the end of the evening, we were both not remembering much about that concert at all. But um, it actually sounded, it sounded quite good. I can't remember how I did the sort of how I did the organ bits that evening, but he was playing um, oh, what we called the um, what the the Pialino they called it, which is basically an electric grand piano. Yamaha had one, Kawhi had one, yeah. But we we had one in um, like gloss white and perspex, uh, which we we actually gave to the James Last Orchestra in the end. They really, really, wow. They, they they used it for quite a while, yeah. But no, that that was a great. Great evening. I think that that was our biggest concert together, if you like, in terms sure. of the audience, because you had about maybe a couple of thousand people in the hall that night. So, uh...
Did you know that this programme is available for sponsorship support from as little as £10? For more information about how we can help your business, club or society, email communitykeyboards at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. Those days, Andy, of, of, of as you say, the you know the big big presentations, particularly over with the with the T thirty and the T fifty, they were landmarks. They're st- I mean, they're still being talked about now, even though the the instruments themselves are are, are no more. But you know, they, they were revolutionary sort of pivotal points in the in the in the popular electronic organ world, weren't they? And you must have been pre- pleased and proud to be a well a, a huge part of that. I was delighted. I mean, the T thirty and T fifty over in Japan were, were great. I mean, I didn't expect to be able to play the T fifty, but again, they worked another concert into the schedule um, and said, "Ah, oh, we're going to the Kawaii Factory." Mm. Well, I thought we we're going to have a look around the Kawaii Factory, which we did, and uh, they said, "Ah, oh, but in here, this is the canteen, and there is the T fifty, which I didn't expect to play. I didn't expect to see." And uh, they said, uh, "We have concert in uh, ten minutes." <laughs> You will be there. Ten, ten minutes? You expect me to learn how to play this in ten minutes? Wow. Presets. <laughs> Push the presets. See what came out of it. But uh, I did about half an hour on it, and um, they only had half the speakers on it. It, it yeah. had 32 speakers. Oh, yeah, it was cavernous, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we, we only had 16 of them, so I only had 8,000 watts to play with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope you didn't uh, play too loud because I can just imagine if it was in the dining room and there were lots of little people eating their bowls of soup, there'd be several overflows of, <laughs> of noodles or whatever. <laughs> they, did, they, they did actually say, you know, beware, this, this can be loud. Loud, yeah. <laughs> it can be a bit loud. But that was a T30. But, um, I mean, that got me into um, onto the R. Well, I tell you, the first thing, one of the first things I did for Kauai is um, they sat me down again, new organ. Mm. Um, nobody knew how anything about it. It was just there for the first time. They hadn't announced it or pre-announced it. It was a prototype of the E550 back yes. in 1978. Yeah. The German organist from Kauai, Europe, was there, but he great organist, but all he wanted to do is play drawbars. Right, right. That, mm. That's all he wanted to do, play mm. jazz. Mm. So they sort of said, sit me on it. Find out what it does. Yeah. So I sat down, and I, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I seem to be able to get to grips with a new instrument pretty quick. And I was playing around, and I, you know, getting, getting some okay sounds out of it. And all of the, there was these two Japanese guys sitting next to me, and they had notepads, and they were scribbling away. I'd play something, I'd hit some buttons, and they're writing away. And I thought, what the heck are they doing? They were the R and D team. Really? Head, wow. They were head of the R and D. Wow. And so they said, "Can we have feedback on this, please?" Now. Not being, uh, being totally green, if you like. I didn't know that you should you should treat Japanese with a great deal of respect, and you shouldn't say anything nasty about things. And so I said, "Well, I like this, I like that, but that isn't very good." Yeah. Oh, what's wrong with the trumpet sound? He said, "We have, you know, we, we've 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 got several synthesizers in here in the studio. Said, Hang on, you want a trumpet? Why don't you listen to a real trumpet?" And looking at them, you know, despite the the fantastic sort of skills that they had. It's mm. like a light bulb moment. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I can imagine, yeah. So we actually, we went around the Frankfurt Trade Fair. We went we recorded violins and trumpets <laughs> and things like that to try and get it more like it. So I think they, they, they sort of must have been impressed with some of the things I did because when we got the pre-production model in, mm. everything I'd asked for, they'd done. Wow. So I, I got the, the revised voicing. I wanted different drawbar voicing to the um, tab voicing for tibias. I said, let's have theatre organ sound there and have Hammond organ sound here. Oh, good idea. They'd done all of that. And they came up to me and said, tap me on the shoulder, said, you're on the team. Well, well, well. And I thought, oh, great. So that led to doing other instruments. I mean, my, my favourites, the E550, will always be a favourite because that was the first. The DX900, the three manual one, that was literally a napkin sketch. Mm. I sketched it out over coffee at Frankfurt, and I said, why don't we do this? And they took that napkin away. Really? And a few years later, I was did, in... Did you get it I, back? <laughs> uh, no, no. I got the organ, which was... Oh, well, cool. okay. You saw the end result uh, then. No. Yeah. But uh, I, we did, I, I pulled the same stunt in 1983. I was doing the Italian trade fair. An Italian trade fair, taking the Japanese instruments to the Italian trade fair, like Coles to Newcastle, oh, or ice yeah. to the Eskimos. 
But um, the, the host there was a guy called Roberto Furcht. He had a huge musical company. And I remember fantastic weather, wonderful food, great company. But then the chat I had with the engineers, I'd sketched out a new three manual, a bit like Yamaha's FS70, I must admit. <laughs> okay. Slight, slight clone. Um, and they looked at it and said, can we do this and this and this? And they laughed in a nice way and said, look, the technology we've got now can't do that. And we mm. shouldn't tell you, but the technology we've got in 18 months' time can't do that. Sorry. And that was, I thought, was the end of it. But then at the end of 85, they phoned me up and said, we can do it. Well, well. well. Can, can we sort of, can, we, can you come over to Japan, please? And we can start work on the designs. And the dates they gave me, I said, I can't do that because my wife is expecting our first baby that day. <laughs> and I expected that would be that. But they said, that's OK. No problem. We'll move it back two weeks and we'll move it to Dusseldorf. <laughs> so the R&D team come over to Dusseldorf. And we sat down with the, uh, not just me, but there was uh, guys from Holland and Germany and France. And we all got together and we came up with the SR series, the SR series. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I managed to pull the same trick twice with them, with the napkin sketches and the engineers. But uh, it's good fun really, to, to be involved with the design of something is, is always nice because you've got your little stamp on it. But it's, it's really nice to hear then how different people play your your in early commas, your instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I played it in a certain way. Sharpie played it in a certain way. But um, listening to Howard Beaumont, who makes some absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic sounds on the SR6, he plays it in a totally different way that I hadn't even thought of. <laughs> and he plays it in like almost theatre style. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's brilliant sound. And I play it orchestral, and Brian used to play it orchestral. So it, it's, I, I'm really, really chuffed with that one because it was an instrument that could do so many different things. So...
Yeah, as I say, Andy, you, you, you've been you've been through everything from the old analog days right through to the digital uh, instruments. And I mean, what do you make of today's sounds and and and, and equipment? I mean, obviously, they're they're a lot more keyboard based. There, I know there are one or two exceptions, but um, from, from a musician's point of view, does that kind of frustrate you that you're not seeing something really with a big physical presence, like you you've just um, mentioned with the you know the the, the previous instruments that you've uh, been involved with? In a way, I mean, I, I do a, uh, my teaching now is like a 50 50 split with um, piano and keyboard, not much difference between them. And mm. um, with keyboard, I'm, I'm lucky I've had people who've gone right the way up to um, diploma level. And I've been able to get them, you know, they, they've been working really hard on it, and they've been doing some fantastic sounds with keyboard. Interestingly, none of them are into modern stuff at all. Really? Um, oh, all, okay. all the diploma lot, they're playing, um, let me think, we had marches. Yeah, we had big band. Mm-hmm. We had Glenn Miller. We had a fantastic version of Tuxedo Junction, but one of them did. We had Latin American. We've had country and western carpenters. They love the carpenter stuff. A couple of them have done brilliant carpenters arrangements. Nothing modern. They, mm. They're not into synthesizers and R and B and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But um, and I, and I had, had one young lady who switched from piano to organ, and I thought she's going to be brilliant. Now, first lesson, just showed her around it and gave her a couple of like complete organ player. Yes. Yeah, have a look <laughs> at that. Came back a week later. She said, "I did that." Said, "I've been working on the War of the Worlds." Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and she's got the music for the War of the Worlds, and she's she's arranging it. This girl is brilliant. But organ people, now you you don't find them very often. I've got two organ students now mm. amongst. Lots and lots of piano. So do I miss the organ? Well, I'm lucky I have a Roland um, Atelier 900 Platinum at home, which is the last of the big ones, obviously, the last yeah. organ from Roland. And you, you just don't find that. I mean, there's, I've got students with the big Lowry. Okay, big instrument. But apart from that, no, there's, I, I do miss that. I mean, I'm so lucky to have the Roland. Uh, before that, I had the Kawai SR6 at home. But, yeah, I, I, I do miss that. I have great fun at keyboards, and I love them. But... Um, yeah, not the same. What about the um, the theatre organ world? Because again, I know that you were quite keen on on getting back into that. Because obviously, that was a you know going right back to the career as you as you as you said at the start. You know, you had some experience with that. Is it is it something that you want to pursue? Because obviously, those instruments really aren't going anywhere as long as there are people there to maintain them and um, and support them. Definitely. I mean, um, starting well, how long ago did I start playing cinema organ? I think about seventy four. Uh, my girlfriend's dad, same same girlfriend. Okay, um, I hope she's not listening still. <laughs> her her dad had uh, a few contacts in the um, cinema world, and that got me sort of uh, openings to play private concerts, sort of get some practice time in and do some private concerts on things like the Granada Kingston, mm. uh, uh, Odeon Leicester Square on the fantastic. Duchess on the Duchess, yes, yes. Gaumont State Kilburn loved that instrument. Yeah. Really, we went up there loads of times. But the one I played most was the Granada Sutton. Um, lovely little 10, ten rank Compton. Yep. Very temperamental about starting. But once you got the blower going, <laughs> it was fine. It, 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 it would run. And I did that. And then, oh, who was it? Um, Jim Buckland of the um, Sussex World. Oh, yes. Late, yes. Late, late Jim Buckland. Yeah. Uh, was at, um, head of the Hammond Organ Society in Brighton, uh, or the chair of the Hammond Organ Society, and then later the sort of Sussex Theatre Organ Trust. He and Bobby Pagan sort of picked me up. So we're going we're gonna to sort of um, go up here. Uh, what was it? Noel Briggs play um, on the Kingston. Do you want to come up? Yeah, love to. What they didn't tell me is that it was an audition for me. They said, well, go on. You sit down and play the organ. And so I sat down and played some stuff on the on the world at Sir Kingston. They said, no, that'll do. Fine, right. Um, we'll book you for Kingston and Welling and uh, Walthamstow. The lovely Christie at Walthamstow. I did several concerts there. And I was really enjoying this because it was something different. You know, it was, you know, I was playing quite a bit of Hammond at the time. It was lovely to sort of be able to sit down and play theatre organ arrangements because I was very much um, not in the British style of cinema organ. I was more influenced by the American style. Yeah, yeah. And my mentor was the late, great Jackie Brown. Oh, say no more. Uh, and I thought, well, I, I, I can try and not copy it, but I can try and do something and emulate some of the things that he did because he showed me an awful lot of things. I had a go at doing that, and that was the kind of sound that I like to make a theatre organ. But then I started work with Kawhi, and there was this sort of sort of feeling at the time that, oh, if he plays electronics, he can't really play pipes. And the bookings just dried up. People thought, well, no, 
PC Electronic now. And that was a big, big shame because I was really enjoying that. And so it was nice to be asked, um, oh, what was it? I, when I did the Brian Sharp Memorial concert a few years ago yeah. uh, up, up at Fenton Hall, I, I had my uh, I had a Tyrus 5 there. Chris Powell was there with the um, with his Roland. And so I said, well, look, can I borrow your Roland to do part of the show? Yeah, no problem. So we set up some sounds on that. And he says, it's okay if I play the pipe organ as well. Yeah. So I did a few numbers on pipes, a few numbers on, on, on organ, a few numbers on keyboard. But the pipe organ people there said, well, we didn't know you play pipes. Incredible, you know, isn't it? Yeah, we, yeah. We've only ever heard you play electronics. Yeah, if people don't um, know. And, yeah, yeah. So that came about, and I got a booking for that. And also I've been doing a bit of work. Uh, Michael Waldridge let me have a, a few hours on the 436 at the um, Sussex National mm. on a glorious world itself. And that instrument could have been specified just for me because yeah. everything I thought, well, I wonder what that sounds like. Oh, that's exactly what I wanted it to sound like. Wow. And I was at home with that in about 10 minutes. Before yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Gorgeous organ. And so I thought, I'd like to get back playing cinema organ. Now, I can play cinema organ arrangements and make some cinema organ sounds on Roland, but it's not the same as having wind coming through the pipes. So I hope to get back to that once this lockdown business is all out of the way and um, say the the concert at Fenton Hall is not cancelled as they said in their letter it's merely postponed think that you've just been in the right place at the right time and you'd probably agree with that i would definitely agree with that i've been very fortunate to to be there at the right time and that's let me make make so many friends and have so much enjoyment out of doing what i do i mean it's lovely to have a job that you enjoy it sounds cliche doesn't it but it it is uh, to have something that you can think i'm really going to enjoy today and it doesn't matter what day it is whether it's teaching playing or whatever there's no drudgery. It's always something that you're going to sit, wake up and think, yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah. You, re- uh, you really must, um, taking you back to when you just passed your driving test uh, and uh, got round the Hyde Park corner and drove up the M1, you really must do that again now sometime once we get things back to normal and come and play some of our wonderful Wurlitzers and Comptons up here in this neck of the woods as well. I've had a few sort of um, uh, invites to sort of come up and sort of uh, say, oh, you must come up and see ours. Um, uh, Keith Evans has got a lovely sort of um, oh Alan yes um, the GW4 yep. yep yep so definitely going up to see see that and um, on the back of that little Facebook post that I was having a conversation I had with him uh, come and come and play our word it's a come and yep. play our content yep exactly um, let's yep. go let's go down to Paul Kerner and yes. play some of the things there and Folly Farm or whatever yep. so there's a whole bunch of them that uh, yeah that I must go up and play Looking well let's let's get the lockdown 
um, out of the way, and then hopefully things will 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 get back to some sort of semblance of normality. Andrew, thank you ever so much for spending a little bit of time with me on the program. It's been lovely to chat, um, and we've obviously heard some of your wonderful music over the years. Uh, and uh, keep well and keep safe, and we'll no doubt see you here very very soon. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And huge thanks once again to Andrew Gilbert, who you heard play the girl from Ipanema on Hammond X66, How Can I Tell Her on Kawaii DX900, Caravan on the, the huge Kawaii T30 and piano duetting with Brian Sharp, I'll Buy That Dream on Kawaii SR6, Tell Me That It's Really True on the Roland AT900P, and ending there with Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue on the DX900 Kawaii. Well, before we go, here's a chance to hear Andy at the Granada Waltham store, Christy, and his own composition, The Regent March.
Regent March, composed by Andrew Gilbert. And that's all we have time for on this programme. Don't forget you can listen again to anything you might have missed by going to the oldhamcommunityradio.com player or catch up via the programme's podcast at anchor.fm forward stroke community keyboards. We're also on most of the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public and CastBox, from where you can comment and contribute, even leave a voice message for requests and dedications, and an email to communitykeyboards at gmail.com, or a note to P.O. Box 997 Oldham OL 19EB will find us as well. To keep up to date with news and information in between shows, then do head over to the Community Keyboards Facebook page or the programme's website is communitykeyboards.simplesite.com. For the moment, this is Ian Wilson Home saying thanks very much for listening. Take care, all the best, and bye-bye.